man. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's Ryan Clark. New episode of DC and RC. I just got off the plane. RC lives on the airplane. But we always try to give you all the show. Coming up on the show, guys, UFC 294 is a completely different fight card almost. And we are here for it. We also talked to Gilbert Burns as he has fought Kamaru Usman and Hamza Chimaev. So we go one round with Dorino. And as always, we tap in or we tap out. RC, I said that you live on the airplane, my brother. I just had to ask you. I was like, I think Monday Night Football was in L.A. You back on yeah. the East Coast. How are you sleeping? How are you resting? You constantly seem to have a haircut. How are you getting haircuts? Where do you find the time? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I get a haircut every Tuesday. I just get somebody to come to the building and do it, bro. I stay on the plane. But look, you just landed in Abu Dhabi. It's midnight there. Like, this is what you do, bro. Like, this is the grind. It's the reason that that opening can have Marrero, Louisiana, and have Lafayette, Louisiana, and both of us be on this stage, have this platform, is because we were willing to do the work and still are. But you are there, bro. It's going to be a great fight card. How exciting is it that even though this card has changed, it may have actually gotten better or more exciting? Oh, it might have got better, RC. But you know what? Also, we do the work, and we both looking towards the first quarter of next year. We're going to keep that to ourselves. But let me <laughs> tell you something right now. Islam Mahachev is now fighting Alexander Volkanovsky in the main event. A rematch, a rematch that for a long time people wanted to see. But then the former champ, Kamaru Usman, steps in to take on Hamza Chemaev. You got Ankalaya versus Walker. You got Alaskara versus Warley Alves. You got Saeed Nurmagomedov fighting for another time. Guys, this is going to be a fantastic fight card. And this is one of those fight cards, RC, where you got people from this region, Russians, yeah. Brazilians, fighting. We don't get to see them fight very often. Mm -hmm. So it's a big fight card, but it's main evented by Islam Mahachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. When Volkanovsky defended his championship against Yair Rodriguez last, he said he was going to get healthy, but he also said he'd be ready to be a backup in case the fight needed to happen here in Abu Dhabi. He said, I'm going to Abu Dhabi. I'll be ready if they need me. Dude got the call. Dude showed up. And he seems as confident as anyone I have seen taking a fight on 11 days notice. Were you surprised that he stepped up as fast as he did when the opportunity showed itself? No, I'm not. When you look at Alexander Volk Volkanovsky, he is the true meaning of a champion, the true definition of a champion. He's been willing to fight anyone since he became the champ. And when he moved up to fight Islam Mahachev, I think he showed on that night that he was skilled enough, he was physical enough to withstand five rounds with one of the baddest men on the entire planet. And so when this fight presented itself, he said he'd be prepared, he said he'd be ready, and he took it on short notice because he has confidence in himself. And you know how it is too, DC. Once you step inside the octagon with someone and you feel their power, you feel their strength on the ground, there's a level of confidence that is gained from being able to withstand that, but also an understanding of having seen it up close in personal, up close and personal, one-on-one. -on -one. And Alexander Volkanovsky has that vantage point. For you, DC, how much more difficult or is it less difficult to take a fight like this on short notice since it's a rematch between Volk and Islam Mahachev? I think the rematch factor does play, play a big part, RC, because of them being familiar with each other. And I believe that that is part of the reason why Volkanovsky was like, I'll do it. Because 
when you fight a guy like Islam, there are so many unknowns. All you can really build your game plan off of or gain confidence from or try to gain confidence from is from the things that you have seen before. And all he had seen up to that point was Islam dominate people. Even Charles Oliveira, he submitted the champ to become the champ. So you think to yourself, you almost make him superhuman. But then yeah, by going yeah. in there as Volkanovski, not only fighting him for 25 minutes, but at the end of the fight, being the guy that was on top, winning the final round, you take a confidence from that. There are a lot of clips now circulating, as they do whenever a fight gets announced, of right after the fight. And you saw Volk very disappointed that he didn't do as much as he thought he could have done. You saw Volkanovski speaking of how Islam wasn't as strong as he expected him to be on the ground, how he felt he had had success defending takedowns. All those things were unknown before. It was, what do I do if this guy gets me down? How do I defend this guy from taking me down when he's taking everybody down? Now he knows he's had success in those areas in a fight with Islam. So when they called him, he's like, okay, I'll do it again. But the one thing that I feel about Volkanovski is that when we watch him, RC, we are, we are always in awe of how he fights 25 minutes like he's going out for a jog. He won't get <laughs> yeah, tired. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like he can go 10 rounds when we watch him do five. So imagine him on 11 days, he could probably still do five. But the one thing I want to know, in the build-up to the first fight, I interviewed Islam and I interviewed uh, Volk together. And Islam was almost laughing at him, saying, small guy, mm -hmm. they don't wrestle in mm -hmm. Australia. He felt he was going to dominate him, but he didn't. Is there a chance that in fight one, Mahachev overlooked the challenge, and in fight two now, he will be more locked in because he knows what type of challenge Volkanovski presents to him? I mean, that could be a thing, DC. I was talking to someone uh, before the game last night about the national anthem, and I've only cried two times at or during the national anthem and that was both of the times I played in the Super Bowl and I always said that when people try to make the Super Bowl just another game they're freaking lying to themselves because it's not another game right hey coach are the other 30 teams playing tonight or is it just two right and that's the same thing with Alexander Volkanovsky and Islam Mahachev that different fights you approach in different ways and so maybe he didn't see it as much as a challenge as he saw Charles Oliveira but that won't be the case this time for Islam Mahachev he understands how good of a fighter Alexander Volkanovsky is he also knows how strong Volk is as well I'll be interested to hear I know you got an opportunity to speak to Islam, how much did he have to change to now approach this fight with Alexander Volkanovsky, who's a different body type than Charles Oliveira? He has a much different style of fighting than Charles Oliveira, and he was better on the ground than Charles Oliveira is, who is the leading submission artist in the history of the UFC. And mentioning how Alexander Volkanovsky seems to be able to fight a five-round fight or five-round match without getting tired, he looked like the stronger fighter late in that first fight. Islam Mahachev hasn't gone five rounds. He finally got that opportunity against Alexander Volkanovsky. So what I'll ask you is this, DC, how much does the experience of the first fight with Volk help Islam Mahachev going into this one and understanding who he's fighting, what sort of fighter Alexander Volkanovsky can be, but also getting that championship round experience he hadn't had up until that point. It's massive. 
it's actually one of the biggest factors in this fight is now knowing he can fight for 25 minutes. Because while Mahachev had been scheduled for 25 minutes on a number of occasions, he never had to do it. He was finishing the guys. He had mm -hmm. never met a guy to match him and match his level. Alexander Volkanovsky obviously did that in the first fight and did very well in the end of the first fight. But I anticipate that Islam, knowing he was coming back to fight Oliveira, was prepared, was ready, and now he gets to change of opponent. But it doesn't mean that he changed the way that he prepared. Ryan, earlier you said, I wonder what he did different in preparation for Volkanovsky as it changed from Oliveira. I got a chance to speak to Islam last week right after the news broke of the new opponent, and this is what he told me. I don't have time to change something. I just yeah. in shape, and I'm a best fighter in the world. I'm 155 champion. That's why you have to show people who is the best, and doesn't matter who is coming, you know? You know, that was what Habib said immediately once the fight was changed. If Islam's the best in the world, it does not matter who they put in front of him. Makachev is very aware that you don't have time to make a completely new game plan on 11 days' notice. So who holds the advantage? The guy that doesn't have the, the, the pressure of being in training camp? The guy that's once again going up in a weight class? Or does the champion hold the advantage having two months to prepare, being locked in all this time and preparing for a guy that he's already beaten one time? Who holds the advantage in this, RC? You know, I mean, one, if it depends on who you think is the better fighter, right? Because you always feel that the better fighter holds the advantage. And last fight, that was Islam Mahachev. But I think from a mindset standpoint and a mentality, I would think it's Alexander Volkanovsky. And here's why. There's something about being able to play like you don't have anything to lose. Think about a Zach Wilson playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You're already place, replacing Aaron Rodgers. No one thinks you'll do anything. You're playing against the best quarterback in the world in Patrick Mahomes, and it was really Zach Wilson's coming out party. He threw the football with conviction. He threw it in places or used his legs when we've never seen him because he felt like he had nothing to lose. What happens if Alexander Volkanovsky loses this fight? He goes back down to his weight class, and he's still the best in the world. If this fight is close, he's still going to be one of the pound-for-pound -pound best fighters that's ever lived, and especially one of the best fighters of today. He's taking it on short notice. People aren't expecting Alexander Volkanovsky to dethrone Islam Mahachev without a training camp. He's the smaller fighter. It's not supposed to happen. And so if you're Alexander Volkanovsky, you're coming in here right now saying, listen, I'm going to let it all hang loose. I remember what that fifth round was like. I remember what it felt like to be on top as we finish or as the bell rings. And that's exactly where I plan to be again. And when you have some of the dominant performances we've seen from both of these men, I would feel that the confidence has to be high for each of them. But I do believe some of the things that Alexander Volkanovsky learned about himself and Islam Mahachev in the first fight play a large role in this one. And when you hear Islam say, I don't have to change anything. I'm the 155 champ. I'm the best in the world. This is one of those cases where the person he's fighting feels the exact way about himself. And so DC, my question for you is when you're asking who has the advantage, if it starts to go bad for either of these guys early, who has the harder time rebounding? 
if Volk gets up early, if he stuns Islam, if, he's, if, if Islam's unable to take him down, will Islam be able to recover? Or do you feel like if Islam gets on top of Volk, he'll have a harder time getting back into the fight because he doesn't have the camp? Where does it lie if it goes wrong for one of these men? Well, I think that Islam's equipped to, to, to adjust. We saw it in fight one. Because in fight one, the vast majority of that fight was spent on the feet. Most believed that if the fight was spent striking, Mahachev had a real, was at a real disadvantage against Alexander Volkanovsky. But it showed that he wasn't as behind as people might have thought. Because in those exchanges, he fought really well. He was also able to get takedowns and get a lot of control time, especially in like round two or three. He was able to put a lot of time on the clock where he had Volkanovsky down. So I do believe that Islam has the ability to adjust because he's well-rounded, but so does Volkanovsky. And I think that's why this fight is so fun. That's why it was fun the first time. That's why, it was, that's why it's fun now. That's why it's such a great fight because it's such a great matchup between what I believe are the two best pom-pom fighters in the world right now in terms of both of these guys. You know, one factor that I think will play a big part in this fight that we may not have touched on is the size. People talk about Islam Mahachev being a big guy for the weight class, and we thought he would dwarf Volkanovski. Volkanovski came out recently, Ryan, and said 11 days ago when he accepted the fight, he weighed 180 pounds. He's yeah. a big guy himself. He was 35 pounds over, sorry, he <laughs> yeah. was 25 pounds over the weight class above what he, what he fights at. I mean, that is going to be a big factor because that's a lot of weight to take off, Ryan, and a lot of weight to take off in a short period of time. Don't laugh at me for my math. I did go to Oklahoma State. Let's not uh, act <laughs> like I'm a guy that went to Cornell or Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, DC, it's much like you. You have to think you would have to cut from 310 pounds to 205. That's a massive weight cut, you know, when you're going, when you're going from an offensive guard, weight bully. right? I was to a weight a safety. bully, dog. I was a weight bully. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I think, I think you can speak to that, you know, much better than I can and having to cut that sort of weight in such a short time period. I know the, the drain that it puts on your body, I think both mentally and physically, when you have to endure something like that and then step into the octagon, octagon against one of the best in the world. But I also thinks it, think it puts into perspective that Islam Mahachev isn't just, isn't just that much bigger than Volk, right? It's that Volk's just short. You, we used to say this about Maurice Jones Drew mm -hmm. all the time. Coach Tomlin would say, he's not small, he's just short. There's a difference. And so I think we saw some of that when you look at the grappling in the first fight. The fact that Alexander Vol Volkanovsky was able to fend off submission attempts. He was able to last throughout rounds even when we watched Islam Mahachev get his back. I think th those things are important, especially with how dominant Islam has been with his wrestling throughout his UFC career. I'm excited to see if this fight stays on the feet as well, because if you remember in the first fight, DC, I don't think we gave Islam enough credit for winning some of these exchanges, for being the guy that landed the cleaner shots, for being the guy that won in a lot of these exchanges, which is why Alexander Volkanovsky doesn't 
win the fight. So I want to see who makes the adjustment there and if there's anything that Islam can do this fight to capitalize on getting Volk down to the mat. RC Maurice Jones-Drew was just short. Maurice Jones-Drew now is short and big. His son and my son play on seven on seven football together. He a big boy right now. He got some big old legs too. RC, listen. You look like you, DC. You are You're an about built the same. You do kind of look like me a little bit. You're sitting on the sideline looking bad. RC, you, uh, you are an expert in football. But I'm telling you, man, they are bringing you on first take now to talk MMA. Last week, you and I are talking about Paulo Costa. And you had a statement or you had a take on whether or not he would make that walk. RC, you said this. Guys, Paulo Costa really is full of that bull jive, man. I know Dion is going to patent it soon, and I can't say it. Paulo Costa full of that bull jive, dog. You're not fighting just some dude. You're fighting Hamzat Chemaev. You're fighting a dude that doesn't seem to me to be like, hey, I want this thing to be fair. I'm not going to try to snap your elbow in half because you just had surgery on it of three weeks ago. I don't know if Paulo Costa makes this walk. I also don't know if it's smart form to make the walk. All right, here we go. This is Paulo Costa. Unfortunately, I am hospitalized and had to do a second surgery yesterday. According to doctors, a third surgery will be necessary on Friday, so I will not be medically cleared to fight on October 21st. The Abu Dhabi card is still amazing. I am not happy, but that is it. I will be back before the end of 2023. DC, when you hear or you get an opportunity to read this tweet mm -hmm. by Paulo Costa, what are your first thoughts on his injury and the fact that with an injury that seems so gruesome when you look at the pictures, this dude actually thought he was going to get the fight against Hamzat Chemaev. You know, honestly, first off, hats off to you for calling it. You, you knew it. But the reality is once I saw him and I saw that staph infection, I, I thought it was highly unlikely that he would make that walk. What I did take from it was I got some I gained some respect for, for Paulo Costa. You know, we make fun of Paulo Costa a lot, right? He makes fun of himself, he messes around, but he wanted to go fight a guy that's as dangerous as Hamza Chemaev after having that surgery and having that infection three weeks later. You have to respect a man that is so driven that he wants to fight under those circumstances. But at the end of the day, it was clear to me, and it was clear to you that Paulo yeah. Costa was not going to make that walk, RC. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just so difficult. And I understand that your sport, you only get so many opportunities. And so having an opportunity to fight a Hamzat Chemaev, who is so highly thought of in both the welterweight and the middleweight division, if you can go get that win, you understand the place in which that puts you, but you can't do that as half a man. And without having your, the use of your elbow, with having a staph infection that is that far gone, now having to have another surgery and maybe a third is planned, you can't get out there and perform at your highest. But because of Paulo Costa not being able to fight, we now get Kamaru Usman and Hamzat Chemaev, which is a matchup that, if I'm being frank, DC, I'm more excited about or more interested in than I would have been Hamzat Chemaev and Paulo Costa. 
Kamaru Usman takes this fight on short notice, as did Alexander Volkanovsky for the main event against Islam Mahachev. When you look at this matchup, DC, what's most intriguing to you about Kamaru taking this step up? It's, it's uh, you know, let me tell you something, man. Kamaru Usman, that's our boy, right? Friend of the show, that's yep. my brother. He's a guy that I, I care about deeply. And when he called me, you know, we started chatting about the fight. As he said, bro, he was down. Right away, he was like, yes, I want to do it. Especially if it's going to guarantee him an opportunity to fight for the 185-pound title. He was not willing to fight Israel Adesanya. They are friends. They are, they are, they are like brothers themselves. But he said, Sean Strickland, I'll take him. If I got to go through Hamzat, the scariest dude on the roster to do that and get a shortcut to it, he was more than willing to it. Now, what's most intriguing about the matchup? I feel like Hamzat Shemaev is going to get pushed in areas that he has not been pushed in yet. In the wrestling, you know, for as good as Hamzat has looked, no one has been able to give him any sort of challenge in that wrestling realm. I believe that Usman will be able to do that. I believe that Usman's championship experience is something that Hamzat has never really seen before yet. He has not had to deal with a man that has been in 10 UFC title fights. But ultimately, while it's a massive opportunity for the former champion Usman, this is a big moment for us and Hamzat Chemaev in his journey. Because this ultimately can be Hamzat Chemaev showing he not only belongs, but is ready to be champion, or a moment where we look at him and go, he's really, really good, but we're not sure if he's ready to take that jump to the next level yet. Because, Ryan, do you remember when Sean O'Malley fought Piotr Jan? It was very similar. A lot of people thought he lost that fight. He got the victory. And people said, you know what we now know? Sean O'Malley belongs at the absolute top of the division. Yes. Fast forward yes. months later, he knocks out Aljamain Sterling to become the champion. We could be on the same type of, type of path with Hamzat Chemaev right now. But I'm certain Chemaev wants to make a statement in trying to beat Kamaru Usman not just kind of skirt by as O'Malley did in that fight, which ultimately led to him becoming the champion. Big time moment for Chemayev. It, it is a huge moment for him. And you talked about Hamzat never really being pushed in the wrestling like he could be against Kamaru Usman. It brings me back to the Dorino fight, right? And watching him and Gilbert Burns. Remember, he took Gilbert down early on in that fight. And then there were some more attempts. And eventually, after being stopped or stuffed on those attempts, it became a stand-up fight. It became a, a striker's match. And we saw Hamzat Chemaev absorb more strikes in that fight than he had up until that point in his entire UFC career. And it was when we saw the dog in him, where he wasn't just ragdolling people and dominating, dominating them, picking them up and walking over to Dana White and having conversations. We had to see him dig deep to get that win. I expect you'll see the same exact thing from Kamaru Usman, but if he is dominated, Kamaru Usman that is, if Hamzat Chemaev totally wrecks the former welterweight champion, then it makes you even more excited for that fight against Sean Strickland. And I'll say this, you kind of mentioned what it means that Israel Adesanya is no longer the middleweight champ as it pertains to Kamaru Usman. To me, the fact that it's Sean Strickland means something to the entire middleweight class. It doesn't seem like such a high mountain to climb. It doesn't seem like you need this 
extraordinary skill set to win the championship. Now, even though we just saw Sean Strickland outclass Israel Adesanya on his feet. And so now that this whole entire weight class has opened up the way that it has, that's what makes this fight not only interesting and exciting, but it makes it important because this will give us our next challenger to the middleweight championship, which seems now more than ever extremely attainable. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch at your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one commerce platform to their in person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dcrc. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You know, it's crazy, man, how people still look at Sean Strickland as if it's not going to be as difficult. And I think it's because they've seen him lose before, right? For Izzy, the losses were so rare and they were uncommon. Where they have seen Sean Strickland get beat at 170, they've seen him lose at 185, but it's not going to be easy to get that belt off him. And both of these guys have to be very aware of that. But ultimately, they got to get through what happens this weekend. When I start getting into the X's and the O's of this fight, who holds the advantage? Championship-level experience. Kamar Usman, 1,000%. Who holds the advantage in the wrestling? I don't know. I think Kamar Usman because of the collegiate wrestling background. But I have seen Hamza Chemaev take people down with little effort. RC, he is so strong. It's yes, unbelievable yes. when Chemaev grabs you what you feel. The guy is like a bear. Now, I believe where one of the biggest advantages in this fight, it's the fact that they're going to fight and they're going to fight at 185. I do believe that Dorino fought Shamaya very well, but he also got himself all the way down to 170. At 185, Shamaya is barely cutting weight. He's going to feel refreshed. He's going to feel uh, really good. He's going to feel strong. And I believe that that's going to be the advantage because we have not seen Kamaru Usman fight at 185 for a really, really long time. He's not small now. Usman's not a small 185-pounder. We have not seen him there for a really, really long time. And I believe that that size is going to be something that the former champ has to overcome when he's trying to deal with the skills and the toughness of Hamzat Chemaev. Here is my, my question, though, DC. I understand that the reason Hamzat is now fighting at 185 is because that weight cut to 170 was extremely difficult for him, which is why he missed it for the Kevin Holland fight. Or, or, or was it Tony Ferguson and then he fought Kevin Holland? Um, when you look no, at that... No, it was supposed that, to be Nate Diaz. It was supposed to be I'm sorry, Nate yeah, Diaz. there you go. There you go. And then he fought yeah, Kevin Holland. Yeah, it was supposed Holland. to be Nate Diaz, then he fought Kevin Holland. When you think about that, how much, how much does it help Kamaru Usman, that he is fighting a guy who was recently fighting at welterweight. It's not like he's fighting, um, you know, Dracus Duplessis, who is a very big middleweight, right? A guy that has to cut weight or uh, a Jared Cannoneer. He's fighting a Hamzat Chemaev that recently moved up from the 170-pound division. Does that in any way help Kamaru with some of that size difference? Mm-hmm. I think it does, and I also think, Ryan, what, it, what also helps him is that he had this guy in the sights. You yes. would have to be a blind man to not be paying attention down the line and going, at some point, I'm going to have to deal with this Hamzat Shemaya, especially with the way that his UFC career started, right? The way he was knocking everybody out, the way he was ending fights so quickly, the way he was dominating, and Usman, as the champ, had to look and go, at some point, I'm going to have to fight this dude. At some point, I'm going to have to beat this guy. So I feel like because he was 170 and because he was a guy that was on Usman's radar, it really isn't as 
unfamiliar as a short notice fight like this would be. That's one thing that we're getting in these two new top fights. We're getting guys that are very aware of each other. And because they are aware of each other, it's not going to be like they're out there trying to just piece together game plans. Yeah. We know Makachev yeah. and Volkanovski has already fought. We also know that Chemayev was looking at Usman as the champ, and Usman was looking at Chemayev as a guy that he may have to deal with down the line. Ultimately, it happens at 185, but yes, it does help him that it was a guy that recently fought 170. It hasn't been that long since we've seen Chemayev at 170. Now, granted, people on the internet are going to say it's been over a year. He didn't fight it. The, two fights ago, he fought 170 pounds against Gilbert yeah. Burns. That is not right. that far away from him fighting at 185 today. So, yeah, I think it helps Usman. Well, you know, you mentioned Gilbert Burns, and that was Hamzat Chemaev's toughest fight in the UFC to date. And so, I mean, if you have a guy that's going toe-to-toe with the Wolf, why not bring him in? So here we go, one round with Gilbert Burns. Durinho, how you doing, my brother? <laughs> Good, bro. Durinho. Come on, bro. <laughs> no, it's Durinho. I know that, that H <laughs> go in front of the eye. Durinho, Gilbert Burns. Hey, Gilbert. Your boy yeah. last week, Kamaru Usman, gets the call. What were you guys doing? What was the reaction to him getting this big fight on short notice you guys were in the gym together, and I see you dropped this video with him. Yeah. Uh, bro, the guy is always working. He was there. We, we sport. Like I said, my shoulder is kind of getting better. And then I still sporting, moving around. He got a warm-up runner. He was moving. And then he sport hard the day before, and that was on a Wednesday. And on a Wednesday, it's a wrestling day, so we're going to wrestle. And I got there, still, like I said, shoulder is almost good. I still, I can wrestle, but more drills. I can't go live yet. And then I saw Kamaru coming with the sheet pads, small gloves, like those puffy gloves. And I see two, maybe three other guys coming. And then I saw Cosmo there, Henry there. The octagon was free. Kamaru's coming to the octagon and looking like... I, I'm thinking that that's and then I kind of like they say yeah he might fight I said for sure that's that's what I'm thinking and this guy say yeah and I say you know what I like this fight do you know why I like this fight DC because Kamaru's big for 170 right and every time that we I got four short notice in my back you know four I lost the last one but I got three wins, and then, you know, the best thing about short notice is if you train, if you in shape, because your opponent is getting ready to a guy that's a different, totally different game from you. So now he's going to face you that he wasn't getting ready for, and you got ready because they call you for six, 10 days, two weeks, whatever. But if you training, I love to be the short notice. That's why I'm I'm the short notice guy. I love it because these guys are getting ready for Paulo Costa. Now he's fighting Kamaru Usman. Think about it. Let, let, let's just pretend, okay, you're going to face Paulo Costa. So what are you going to do? You're going to hire a big boxing guy, throw in guys, take, show and take down defense. Now you're fighting a wrestler. There's a completely fighter. It's different guy, guys bigger reach than Costa. It changed the whole thing. So I like that fight very, very much. 
you know, you say you like this fight and you sort of put two and two together, Gilbert. You've also fought both of these men. How do you see these fighters' skill sets comparing and what can you expect from this matchup? Well, we can expect a, a crazy fight. Uh, I think Hamza is the hungriest guy right now. He's going to come. He want to make a name. He want to become a champion. Guy can fight. But, bro, don't count Kamaru out, bro. Kamaru can't fight too, bro. These guys, the thing that I like about Kamaru is two things on this fight. I like a lot of things on Hamza out on that fight. But for Kamaru specifically, two things. He don't need to do no weight cut. And this guy fought so many five rounds, like so many five rounds. Now he's fighting only three rounds. Okay, it's 10 days, but it's three rounds. This guy has three rounds in the bag all day. He's going to be strong and he's going to be good for three rounds. And the crazy thing is, guys, he don't need to cut weight, bro. Like, that, that's a good <laughs> thing. So my IBC knows that. If they call DC to fight, he got to cut to 205 and say, no way. Well, you can fight a heavyweight. It's a different call, you know? So that's why I think those are two things that helps Kamara big time. But he's a big time. I like Hamza. Hungry on that fight. No, younger guy, 29 against 36. Uh, bro, it's a tough fight. Don't ask him to pick a winner because that's a very hard one to pick. I think it's kind of 50-50. I'll give a little bit more edge to Hamza just because he was getting ready to, to face a monster on on, on uh, Paulo Costa. So he's been a middleweight. He's heavy. He's big. But, man, that's a close fight. That's a crazy fight out there. You were talking about the weight and, and Kamaru Usman not having to cut weight to 185. Neither did Hamzat Shemaev. And when you look at this fight, it would seem as though Hamzat now has built himself into a full middleweight. Do you anticipate his size in the way that he attacks the fight being an issue for Kamaru Usman? Maybe, maybe. But the thing is, if he puts so much weight to become a real middleweight, he's going to lose a little bit of speed, you know? That's why I don't like to be so big. I don't want to be a big welterweight. I'd rather be a shorter, small welterweight, but then I keep my speed from the lightweight. So if he didn't put a lot of weight, he's going to keep the speed. And the speed is going to be a little trap for Kamaru, especially on the beginning. The guy comes so fresh, so hungry, and he keeps the speed danger. If he put a lot of weight, he's that big and strong, for sure he's going to lose a little bit of that speed and... And that's an advantage for Kamaru. So we can go both ways. But I think Hamza is going to be the fastest guy, a fast starting, trying to grapple a little bit. Feel that grapple for Kamaru. But, bro, Kamaru, no, he's still getting taken down. If Kamaru defends that, he's going to start. I want to see that fight so much because whenever they grapple, and if you have a feel like, if he's, if he's feel like, wow, it's not that he's taking this guy down. They're going to brawl, and then it's going to be an amazing fighter back and forth. I'm going to be like, bro, I'm, 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 I'm so bummed because it's supposed to go to Abu Dhabi as a guest fighter. But I talk to my guy, Ozzy, and I say, like, eh, I don't like Costa. I don't like Hamza that much. Bilal uh, Muhammad is going to be there. Uh, you know what? I'm not going. But now that I'll be there so close to watching that fight with my popcorn, I'm like, man, I should have, I should be there. It will be a freaking nice fight. 
Bro, you look like you act like you like a kid in the candy store right now. You're yeah. so excited about these fights. Like, how do you keep 100%. you keep this like joy for fighting? Like, you love this fight. Does this fight, Gil? Do you feel like the idea that Kamaru may get a title fight at 185 with the win is part of the reason he took this dangerous fight against Hamza Chimaev? And how do you think the winner of this fight this weekend matches up against the middleweight champion Sean Strickland? Yeah, I think that was a big reason that he took that fight, you know. For sure, financially, it might be beautiful to go out there to Abu Dhabi and, and get maybe, I, I guess he's getting a PPV point, getting a big PPV point right now. But I don't think it's money, you know. I don't think the motivation came from money. I think the motivation came from, you know what, I'm ready. You know what, I don't need to cut a lot of weight. I've been hungry. I make a peace with that fight with Leon. I'm back in training. I'm happy with my family right here. You know what? I think you can beat this dude. I don't care if he's 10 day notice. I've been putting in the work. I'm training. It's going to be three rounds. I don't need to cut myself, make a weight. Oh, it's the whole travel. Yeah, but he did fought in Abu Dhabi before. He's supposed to fight me. He fought uh, a George. So he's been there. He got there a little bit early during COVID. So the guy been there. I think a big motivation was that factor too. If I beat this guy that I really want to beat, that we had a beef before, that we're kind of back and forth talking. If I beat this guy, I'll I'll be able to fight the guy that I already beat before the middleweight title. Sign me. I think it's very hard. And and let's say you are Kamaru Usman's coach, and they present you that opportunity, man. I'm not a lawyer, but even if you are, like, it's going to be very hard to talk this guy out of that deal, you know, with a done deal, he got the fight. A lawyer. Why would you have to be a lawyer? Why would you have to be a lawyer to do that? Why would you have to be a lawyer? <laughs> Why would you have to be a lawyer to decide that? You got to be a great debater. You got to be able to be argumentative, DC. That's why. A great lawyer, a great lawyer can get a crazy, the case that is already done and sell that law to the judge and then blah, 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 blah and make it big. Case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. But yeah. let me on tell you, you better stop running right your mouth on my show. You better stop running your mouth on my show before I submit you. <laughs> Bro, that's <laughs> a You already know that man gonna beat you up, man. You already know that. Gilbert, let's take it. Let's take it to my sport, Gilbert. <laughs> I talked about your football neck. You look like a guy that would be a great running back. But over the weekend, you got to go to the Miami Dolphins game, and your kids got to meet some of the players. What was that experience like for you, and how much did they enjoy it? Man, that was so nice for my kids to be able to get in over there. So I started uh, getting a good relationship with Raheem Mostert. He's the running back from the Miami Dolphins. I got him good tickets when he came to the fight when I fought match without him in Miami. He went to to the UFC New Jersey when I fought Bilal. And uh, we started that great relationship. He started a podcast. I was talking to him and I said, bro, my kids are crazy. Pedro is playing tackle football right now. And Joshua, unfortunately, he just got eliminated yesterday from the flag football. Josh is playing quarterback and wide receiver. Pedro plays a D-line, a great tackle. So when we were there, we went to the training training center on Saturday. Bro, kids are crazy. So I... It, it, it's funny because I want on the beginning my kids to do jiu-jitsu they did for a long time they got very good but they opt to football and I'm gonna support that but looking those both eyes on my kids like getting so bright when they saw Tyra Kill when they saw 
Tua when it's all her hand, like Jalen Water when it's nice when they see those kids' eyes and like I say, wow, that was that was a good experience. So we got back on Sunday for the game and my Miami Dolphins did his thing. So yeah, this is an amazing experience that I had. Man, that's amazing. Champ, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I appreciate you going out and supporting uh the Miami Dolphins. It's hard to support a team that's so terrible, but I love that you guys <laughs> are really good to stand by them. Even if, uh, man, I don't care. They're better than the Saints. Uh, <laughs> what you do? The Saints are the best team in the NFL. Who? The Saints, they cheated us last weekend, too. They cheated the Saints last weekend, and they gave the Dolphins a win. So they do everything to keep us down. But Doreen, man, thank you for joining the show. Thank we appreciate you, you always, my brother. And can't wait for the fight this weekend, dog. Catch you next time. My guys. My man. All right, Corporate Jake, man, let's tap in the tap out, man, before Ryan attacks me for my football take. All right, guys, Johnny Walker returns at UFC 294 this weekend, riding a three-fight win streak. He faces number two light heavyweight contender Magomed Ankalaev. So, DC, tap in or tap out. A win for Walker cements him as the top contender at light heavyweight. You know what, man? I, 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 oh, it's hard. I was going to say I tap in because if he beats Ankalaev, then why wouldn't he? It would seem as though Ankalaev is in line for a championship opportunity. But the weight division has gotten a little bit jammed up now because of the injuries sustained by the former champ, Rohatchka, and the champion, Jamal Hill. So I do believe that he will be deserving of a title fight. I don't believe that he'll get it, though, because that will go to Jamal Hill whenever he returns from his injury. You're absolutely right. I tap out on this as well. And the vision or the image I keep having in my head is when Jamal Hill hit Johnny Walker on top of his head and he fell both forward and backwards at the same damn time, <laughs> as Future would say. Jamal Hill is the number one contender whenever he gets healthy from his Achilles injury. Corporate Jake, go ahead. I forgot about that. I actually forgot about that. All right, guys, last week while talking on the Rock Radio Show, Izzy Adesanya stated that while he is not retiring, he does not plan to step back into the octagon for a long time. RC, tap in or tap out on the former champ taking time away. You know what? I tap in. I, I don't know if you can continue to fight the high-level opponents at the rate Israel Adesanya was fighting them. When you think about the two Alex Pereira fights and then now you take on Sean Strickland, which I think it was about a seven-month span, it's just extremely difficult to not only be up for those fight nights, but be able to train and have those full training camps that you need to fully take care of yourself emotionally, mentally, and physically. It's good for Israel Adesanya to get a break, and I would have to guess that no matter who holds the belt at that time, if he decides in two years, in one year, or whenever it is that he's stepping back into the octagon, that Dana White and the powers that be would give him a shot to earn that title again. I tap in. I tap in. He needs a break. I agree with RC completely. You cannot carry that schedule and that workload against this level of competition and be okay. But I believe that the reason he needs the break more than anything is because now you start to hear the stories of him drink, uh, driving and getting stopped by the police and all those other things. It's the stress of the championship that sometimes you got to walk away from because at times when you become this massive star that Israel Adesanya has become, that world can get a hold of you. Sometimes you got to step away from it and get back to reality. I think that's what Did the champ that? is doing. I think it's a wise decision. 
and I think it's good for him. That's a great point you make, though, DC. You go from being a kickboxer and then coming into the UFC, and now it's a whole different sort of celebrity. It's a whole different sort of, of fandom, and it's a whole different sort of opportunities that you have to be things you've never dreamed of. In Israel Adesanya, as we've seen, mm -hmm. the very few people who have reached his level of stardom was having a difficult time dealing with that, and sometimes it's good to step back from it, recenter yourself, and then get back to the business which is fighting for him absolutely i guess absolutely. following conor mcgregor's re-enlistment usada and the ufc announced they will no longer be working together moving forward dc tap in or tap out ufc and usada parting ways is good for the fighters i tap out man i don't think it's good the only way i tap in is if they replace usada with something even higher level and i know that the relationship soured at the end but what the UFC and USADA did over the course of the last eight years together for what they did for the sport, unbelievable. Because you cannot be viewed as one of the top sports in the world if you don't have real drug testing. And right now, with USADA, the UFC had drug testing, and they had drug testing at the highest level, the same as the Olympics and everyone else. Now, the person that they say that is going to replace them is supposed to be even next level to USADA. We will see, but I believe having a clean sport is very important and you know how you know how i can tell you the difference if i'm not mistaken rc the ufc struggled to get into new york state as a sport once usada came on board and it became legitimate it got into new york state every year we have some of our biggest fights of the entire yeah. year there so i tap out that it's good for the fighters to not have drug testing i tap in if USADA is replaced by something even higher level in terms of drug testing. I agree with DC totally. I tap out that it's good because you want your sport to be viewed in a way that is pristine outside of the octagon in the sense that all the fighters are f fighting on an equal level, that this game is taking place, this sport is taking place on the same sort of game field or playing field. And if you don't have a stringent and strict drug testing plan, you can't assure that. So if they take a step up or even a lateral step to someone who tests just as difficult or just mm -hmm. as hard as USADA, I believe that's good. But if they don't, if there's any step back, if there's any uncertainty about the new testing program going forward, it will be a black eye for the UFC and its fighters. RC, RC, let me say something. Because do you remember when USADA first came around? People was popping back and forth, popping, popping, yep. popping. Yep. But then it kind of calmed down because people understood USADA was there. And then PFL messed around and started doing drug testing, and everybody was on steroids. Everybody got Dog, in yep. PFL, they had like 30 people test positive but wait, in year why one. Why you say everybody like, was on steroids? Really want to be tested. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Recently, a video got released of Francis Ngannou seemingly shattering a glass door at a convenience store. RC, tap in or tap out. This video is real. Man, this video is fake, man. It's just like it's just like DK Metcalf mm. jumping a 77-inch vertical to catch a football. I don't know if y'all remember those commercials where, like, the dude in the NFL will run, jump through the window, pop out on the other side. Chris Chambers mm -hmm. is, like, sticking his hand through plywood to catch the football. None of that's real, but it is cool for Francis Ngannou, and maybe that's just a message for Tyson Fury. RC, um, 
You remember when Kobe jumped over that car? Like Kobe was like yeah. standing there and then jumped over that car. That was real. That was real. Because Kobe was superhuman and so is Francis Ngannou. That's real, dog. That is a real video. Francis is that strong. Look at him walk up there all strong looking and he just pulls it. The glass breaks. He's like my favorite superhero. That is, I tap in. That is real. That's DC. Francis Ngannou and he's really strong. DC, the problem was this. Francis Ngannou was pushing on the pool side. That's the issue. The freaking door was open, DC. <laughs> it was open. He was pushing. It's a pull. You saw the handles. I tap out. Corporate Jake, I ain't buying hey, that brother, joke. Go to the next one. Yeah, right, guys, yeah. Grant Dawson was recently... That's real. Grant That's Dawson real. was recently WWE knocked out. real. Everything is real. Grant Dawson was recently knocked out by Bobby Green. So we took to Twitter to promote a different way to get some sleep. DC, tap in or tap out. Grant being self-aware following a knockout loss. Hey, man. I tap out, man. I tap out. I like Grant Dawson, bro. But let me tell you something, Grant Dawson. That CBD company is not paying you enough to make fun of yourself getting knocked out. I tell you, I don't care how much they're paying me. I'm not making fun of myself getting knocked out to sell some CBD gummies. I like Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson believes he's going to be a world champion. Dude got flatlined, and not this dude out there making fun of himself to sell some CBD. I tap out, man. You'll never catch me I'm making say, fun of myself. I'm gonna tell you what. Hey, I tap out because I know they're not paying him enough with that weak ASS label they got on them. What they print that on a, uh, <laughs> a dang uh, kid uh, printer? Hell no. I tap all the way out. That label tells me all I need to know. <gasps> they're not paying oh me enough God. to promote getting put to sleep <laughs> by Bobby Green. All right, guys, last one. As we get prepared for UFC 294, Abu Dhabi has outdone itself and created a massive CGI title belt to pop out of the Etihad Arena over in Abu Dhabi. RC, tap in or tap out on the CGI title. Listen, I tap in on it totally, but it's scary as hell. You know, now people seeing aliens and seeing UFOs. Abu Dhabi, they just got so much bread over there that they could just pay for absolutely anything that you want. And this is very cool. But I'm from New Orleans, and I'm skittish, so I don't want nothing jumping out on me. RC, they got that cash out here because they look like they just wasting it now. I mean, what <laughs> is that? That is some crazy stuff. This is about the only place we can see that. Hey, but I'm going to tell you one thing, man. In Abu Dhabi, they got everything, man. They got a racetrack next to the thing. They got an indoor uh, amusement park because it's hot outside. RC, they got everything in Abu Dhabi. I'm tapping in because it looks crazy. And, again, Abu Dhabi setting the standard for fights. RC, another fun show, my brother. Yeah, On another man. big fight week. But let me tell you something. You need to get some rest, dude. I do. I mean, if you ain't do. doing football, you watching Jordan play, you just all over the place. <laughs> Hey, man, I just like to bounce around, D.C., bro. You know what they say, man. You stay still, that's the first step to dying. And we ain't trying to be out no time soon. But you remember, we always got February. And what is it, March or May? Whatever it's coming March up. March me. R.C., you got hey, February. You know what it I is. got March, so we're going to be talking. You know what it is. Ooh. You know what it is. Hey, I'm R.C. We're about to get paid, That's my RC. boy, two-division champ, Daniel Cormier. You can catch us wherever you get your podcast. Also, ESPN2 at midnight. We appreciate y'all, and we out.